Hello, 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 and welcome to the Rainy Day Smut Brigade, the weekly podcast where we read a spicy book and discuss all the juicy parts. I'm Hannah. I'm Allie. And I'm Ashley. We want to remind you that this podcast is for mature audiences only. Also a reminder, our Patreon is up and running. If you'd like to support us, you can find the link to join in our Instagram bio. It's $3 a month, but even if you can't, we are just so thankful you are listening. We appreciate it. Domestic and international listeners. (laughs) So crazy. Yes, thank you so much for listening. So how are you guys doing? We haven't recorded in a while. It's been a while. It has been a while. And it's been like really busy slash pretty stressful for everybody. Yes. So yeah. how are we doing? I uh, really know. Frazzled. We're frazzled. We're in, frazzled. Injured in some people's cases. I'm, 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 I'm medicated at the moment, so we don't know what's going to come out of Hannah's mouth. <laughs> Hannah is an old lady. She hurt her back trying to scratch it. <laughs> I hurt my back trying to put on my kids. Oh, God. I was help, helping him put on his life jacket. Yeah. yeah. Puddle jumper or whatever. Yeah, puddle jumper. And I just twisted wrong. Mm. Then my back froze up. And she went down. <laughs> She went down. I watched it happen. I was live on Marco Polo's. I was like, I think something's wrong. You're like, oh, oh. I ended up in urgent care last night. And they like took me straight like, back. Are those the sounds you make in sex? <laughs> I'm just an old lady. Yeah, I was insane. So, so Once you hit like your mid 30s, everything's not, not a young buck, buck anymore. We're almost 33. Imagine we're 43. I'm the one, I'm the oldest one, aren't I? I'm going to turn 33 first. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, you're the oldest. But Probably. like, we're all within, I think, three months, months going on oh, your okay, life, Allie. What are you reading? What am I reading right now? What am I reading? Oh, I'm finishing up a series. It's a Why Choose. Everything Allie reads is a Why Choose. That is true. Centered around a rock band. Mm. Oh, it's I not see. my favorite, but I do like it. But it's by Tate. It, Tate James is one of the authors and Jamin E. I think is the other, and I've read stuff from both of them, so I thought I'd give it a shot. Give it a shot? Yeah. Actually, you should read it for inspiration. I should. For those who don't know, you don't know. I'm trying to write a contemporary it's romance. Good. I was going to say, Ashley doesn't even like contemporary romance. <laughs> but uh, I have read parts of it. I think it's good. She hasn't let me read any parts of it, so. When I say parts, I mean like a paragraph. <laughs> I can't even I've read a lot of any. rock star ones. Yeah. Oh, no. Did you show me? No, you didn't. You showed me the other I one. I showed you some of the fantasy one some I was fan- that's working what I on. The I had one. the like, mythology all worked out, but because I have ADHD, I can't plan. Yeah, I, don't just have the executive, time. I don't have the executive functioning to actually finish anything. Y'all, everyone, we're going to talk about this a lot, but you know how you hyperfixate and mm-hmm. you get all the supplies. Mm-hmm. You have everything. Story of my life. Yeah. I have, a, I have a closet full of crochet material. Closet oh, yeah. full. I was good. And then I just was For like. six months. I was like, I hate this. I fucking like ADD hate superpower. crocheting now. I don't want to do it. I've been on an ADD TikTok We're fix. very familiar with that feeling. Yeah. yeah. I'm moderately good at most things. I think because I have ADD. I think all three of us are moderately but, good at most things. Like, and I know I've talked to Allie about this. I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but makes me feel like I could almost do anything. Like, could I climb Mount Everest? Hannah Maybe. thinks she could. <laughs> I've told her she couldn't because there are multiple dead bodies strewn on Mount Everest. Yeah, I they, pass up. There's nothing, like, they, they don't think it's worth it to go get them. So. 
My husband's become obsessed with Mount Everest lately. So he's watching all of these Netflix like documentaries on Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we should do that. I'm like, first of all, this is like an $80,000 thing. Yeah, you like gotta, it's not you just something you do. To do it. Yeah. And you got to train for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to climb like the seven, whatever seven peaks are before that or something. Never. I am watching True Blood. Mm-hmm. Started watching that. And listening I have never to, seen that. Listening to Truest Blood. I just started listening to Truest Blood on the way here to the podcast. Oh, I didn't know there was a podcast. It's made by HBO. Oh, interesting. So I don't know how good the podcast is going to be because they you know some things mm-hmm. they can't talk about me. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got two of the actor actresses that mm-hmm. host it. Not the main actresses. Yeah. yeah. I stopped I told you I stopped watching it. But I when I was in college, I worked in a library and I stumbled upon the Charlene Harris books, which are the books that True Blood is based on and I would say that was the that series was probably like my soiree back into reading smutty spicy books because mm. in college I like just didn't do a lot of reading and then my junior year I started working in the library and so I was reading while I was working and so I devoured those those were like one of the first books that I picked up what's their what are, what are they called because they're not called True Blood Dead Until Dark that's the first one. Dead into oh, I've mm-hmm. heard of these. They can't come out in the day. They have the synthetic blood. Mm-hmm. So that's different than Vampire Diaries. But it's really cheesy. Yeah. It's so cheesy, which is weird to me for an HBO show. Yeah. I was expecting it to be more well done mm-hmm. than it is. And you have to remember, it did come out like, it's been quite a time, some time since then. But so is The Sopranos and it's like, yeah, the best show of all time. I've never yeah. watched it, but I just expect more mm-hmm. from HBO. Oh, definitely. And I think that's why I worry about the Akatar TV show and things like that. I think it's so hard to make a fantasy not seem cheesy and not seem like weird. You know what I'm worried about? The Harry Potter series. It's going to be a decade long. A de- I am terrified. I don't know if I'm going to watch it or not, honestly. Oh, I'm go- I'm going to watch it because I'm, how am I not? I, I can't I'm gonna not watch, watch it. it. Yeah. I can't not. I love Harry Potter, but I don't know that I will continue i'll definitely i just think it's done like i'm you know you know how i'm i am i I just don't think you need to keep going back and redo things like i just does it feel like a cash grab to you yeah it's a cash grab it's like there's no reason we got harry potter and it's been around basically our whole lives like we can move on like it's not even nostalgic anymore because it's it's still a big thing yeah yeah have y'all been to harry potter world yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll go to Harry Potter World I and I'll it. love it, but I just think in this climate too, like there's really no need for it. There's so many other shows that they could or yeah. books they could turn into shows yeah. and create new fandoms. Yeah. But I'm still going to watch it. I probably won't. Yeah. I probably will just cuz it's just that's what I do. Speaking of things that we've done before, Ashley <laughs> Ashley is hosting our book chat today, but like she did last time she hosted, she has a little adventure to take us on. So please, please start this journey for us, Ashley. That's I'm so excited. Right, you guys. It's time for another segment of Ashley's Sexploration. In honor of the main characters in our book today, we are diving into the wonders of neurodivergency and sex, specifically autism spectrum disorder, ASD, and ADHD slash ADD. For ADD, 
and ADHD. I'm just going to say ADHD since since it's inclusive of both of them. So mm-hmm. first things first, how would you guys, just off the top of your head, define neurodivergent? Because it's kind of like a new term that's been popping up mm-hmm. in the past. I like neurospicy. Seven. Neurospicy? I'll say I'm neurospicy. I don't like that because I don't like it, but... <laughs> You don't like I that because like you don't like it? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to like it. You can say neurodivergent. I'll say neurospicy. How would I define it? When I talk to my son about it, I just say their brain works differently than what is considered the normal way. Okay. How about you, Hannah? I feel like my brain sometimes feels like it's like not on fire, but like there's just so many like little things that ignite at the same time and I can't control them. And it's so many different thoughts and so many different mm-hmm. paths that I want to go down, which can be difficult. Yeah. When you're supposed to be. So, so how you're defining neurodivergence. A fiery brain. A fiery brain. <laughs> it's neurospicy. Yep. Oh, look at me tying it back. Didn't even mean to. There you go. It is spicy. It's impressive. Being neurodivergent means, and this is a loose definition, means that someone has a brain that functions differently than the typical, and I say that in quotation, human brain. These differences can be a wide array of symptoms and diagnoses, including Tourette's, epilepsy, dyslexia, learning differences, and different language development. That's not an exhaustive list, but Mm -hmm. as I previously said, it does include autism and ADHD. And we are going to narrow our focus on those two diagnoses. But first, let me clarify that nothing I'm going to say or we're going to say is medical or psychological advice. We are not a scientific We're not professionals. No, this is just a discussion based on non-extensive research and my own personal experience as someone with ADHD and as a caregiver of an autistic person. And I know these other wonderful ladies also have ADHD. The thing to know about both of these diagnoses is that they do not look the same in every person. So just like a thumbprint, neurodivergent people have different symptoms and levels of how these symptoms affect them in everyday life. So it can vary from day to day. Also, having ADHD or autism is not an epidemic or a curse. Can it cause difficulty? Yes. Are these disabilities by the definition? Yes. But I would just like, before we discuss this, I would like to invite all of us to wonder what is causing the actual disability part. Is it the difference in the person's brain or is it the world around them that fails to make accommodations to people whose brains are different? Hell fucking yes. Is it possible that the world around us is what disables us? Think about it. If accommodations are made, in a lot of cases, the functionality of a person with these diagnoses increases. It's comparable to a wheelchair or putting ramps in for those who can't walk. It's like putting captions up for those who can't hear. Is the difference still there? Yes, but the ability to experience the world and function in it is greatly increased. That's something for all of us just to ponder, and I encourage our listeners to think about who are neurodivergent like us, just to make you feel a little bit better. (laughs) We aren't a problem. We are different, and that can actually be magical and has a lot of positive aspects where in the past it's just been looked at as negative. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of positive things about being neurodivergent. But what about having sex when one is autistic? And I use autistic because 
I don't think autism is something you carry around. You don't just have it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you are autistic. I don't, there's not a word to say that you are ADHD, but I guess you can just <laughs> yeah, say I yeah. am ADHD, but yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. But that's just me personally. If y'all don't prefer, that's okay. But as um, a, a caregiver, this is a, to me, it's something that is there and is a part of him and I'm okay with that. It is yeah. Serious. I think when we're like scared to say it, it gives the word like some kind of evil power and that it's we wrong. Need, we need to listen to the people in that specific group and right. from the autistic people that I am friends with and that I have spoken with they've always said I, I hate the person first language that honestly I was taught in graduate school as a speech and language pathologist I was taught you, ne- you taught you never say autistic person you say a person with autism and then I went out to the world and worked with mm-hmm. people and they were like no no you I'm an autistic person don't yeah you don't need to make it bad yeah. it's me it's fine yeah, it's fine it's just who I am I'm not a bad person and then mm-hmm. I was like oh my god a whole different way to think about this mm-hmm. yeah so I just that's how I I like to say it um so I encourage all our listeners just like I did to go do your own layman's research we are not professionals but here are the main things I found that make the sexual experience different for people with these diagnoses they are communication one sensory input two desire number three and experience that's number four so let's talk about communication this is a really big part of act your age eve brown the two of you may have noticed but what really pulled jacob and evie together was their ability to communicate with one another there was not much questioning of what the other was thinking or wanting but that's because both of them were more forward did you Mm -hmm. notice that Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were expressive of what they were thinking. If Jacob didn't like something, he just said it. It was obvious. Mm-hmm. And Eve would blurt out whatever she was thinking, <laughs> even if she turned it into a funny moment. People who are neurodivergent have communication differences. It's hard for some of us to read body language, or we may read too much into body language. Maybe we say things that make other people uncomfortable, or people pull away from us, even though we didn't intend anything harmful. And that kind of is what happened to Eve mm-hmm. in this book. She said, People would pull away from her and she didn't know why things like that and Jacob also experienced the same sort of rejection yeah because she's she she said her friends always kept her like on the outer edge yeah like you know like they were nice to her but she was never on the inside yeah exactly and I think one thing I related to is she talked a lot about not having a filter at different points she would she used the words like people said she didn't have a filter and I was like I have so many people have said that to me mm-hmm. over the course of my life like mm-hmm. will you just blurt out things yeah just thinking it's just part of the moment yeah and that happens to a lot of neurodivergent people and they don't necessarily mean it in a harmful way so some of us have such a fear of rejection that we are scared to say what we really want sometimes and maybe we're not so blunt some advice I saw was to use verbal communication or if you are deaf or hard of hearing sign language I didn't want to exclude that (laughs) because it's when I say verbal communication outright saying or communicating what you want just being Uh, direct yeah being direct so this is important for neurotypical people to understand say what you want to your neurodivergent partner and it's even if you're two people who are neurodivergent together say what you want be clear discuss safety words concrete language can go a long way for improving the sex lives of neurodivergent people Mm -hmm. basically what are the communication differences between the partners and how can we bridge that gap 
And that was just some of the advice I saw when it came to sex. Mm-hmm. And communication was a big issue. So actually just come out and say it. Like, just talk. <laughs> Figure it out. Meet each other in the middle. Have that double empathy. The Let the neurodivergent person, and if you're like in a neurodivergent and neurotypical relationship, meet each other in the middle. Or if you're two neurodivergent people who have a difference, like communication differences, meet each other in the middle. It's the same thing with any relationship. Yeah. It's it's very similar, but you just, maybe it's a little extra. You know, to learn about each other's buttons and everything in, in any type of relationship right. that you have. It's just a different way to look at things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're just changing the shape of how you look at something. Yeah. The second thing that may be different with neurodivergent sex is the sensory input. This is common knowledge in the autistic community, but people experience their five senses with different intensity. Ever heard someone smacking and it <laughs> drove you bananas? Allie, Allie, did you? <laughs> yes, I don't like it. <laughs> have you ever had a place that you don't like to be touched? Mm-hmm. Or maybe there is a particular fabric you just love because of how smooth it feels on your skin. These are experiences that everyone has. Neurotypical people experience sensory differences too. But often people with ASD and with ADHD are more or less sensitive than neurotypical people. For people whose five senses are experienced differently, it's easy for us to get overstimulated or sometimes we're understimulated. Certain sensations can actually lead to a meltdown because the brain is simply overwhelmed. Or maybe like Jacob and Eve, the partner is not as sensitive to touch, meaning they need the touch to be more firm. I don't know if y'all remember, but Jacob Mm -hmm. was like, I need you to touch me hard. hard, hard. Touch me hard when you touch me. And it wasn't a necessarily sexual thing at times. Like it was, but it was just, I need, this is what I need in terms of my sensory just to. Yeah. It's it's overload or not. That's not the right word. I need more than what you would normally give to someone else. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a feather light touch. And some, some people prefer that, but sometimes people with autism or ADHD just want a harder touch or sometimes they don't want to be touched at all because they're overstimulated. So people who are neurodivergent sometimes want to be firmly squeezed and hate feathery light touches. Some prefer light touching over firm. Sometimes a neurodivergent person may be extra sensitive to certain stimulation one day, but the next day their brains have regulated and they're fine. With sex, the important thing is to not feel shame about sensory differences. It's okay that you feel that way. Talk to your partner about it. Say what you need in the moment. Neurotypical people, when your partner is overwhelmed, be understanding. Sometimes a basket of laundry in the room is too visually stimulating and can completely throw off the mood. And that's okay. It's not weird. We all have sensory issues from time to time. Be gracious to those who deal with it on a daily basis. Number three, the difference in neurodivergent people and sex is their desire. Neurodivergent people, like neurotypical people, have libidos that change, but many times the difference in desire is more extreme. Like sensory issues, the libido may be highly active or not so much. It's not uncommon for people with ASD or ADHD to have a higher than average sex drive or even a preference for extreme or sometimes dangerous sexual activities can lead to a lot of love for BDSM. Mm. A lot of people who are neurodivergent tend to be more kinky. So that's cool. 
Or sometimes they may have no sexual desire at all in the moment. Now, it's important to note that this is not the same as seeking romantic connection. People who are neurodivergent want just as much romantic connection as neurotypical people. Someone's libido does not signify their desire to be in a loving relationship. What's important here? Once again, understanding and communication. Maybe sex needs to be scheduled or maybe connections need to be made in ways other than sex. Number four, the last big thing I want to talk about is experiences. Have to remember that neurodivergent people may have experienced delayed hormonal development or difficulty in past relationships because of their difference. Communicating these things may be painful for a neurodivergent person, but it can be important to the relationship. Once again, it's all about compassion and communication. Be sensitive about the experiences that you've had if you're neurodivergent. And if you're neurotypical, be sensitive about the experience of the past that your partner may have had. Now that we've talked about the big things, here is another thing I found. Neurodivergent people have a hard time being insincere. It's hard for us to lie to others or ourselves. That, that's personally with me anyway. I, I cannot be insincere. It's so difficult for me. <laughs> I have a hard I, I tell my husband all the time. I was like, I truly feel like I can't lie. Like I, even little things. Yeah. I just can't, can't do it. I have to clear And if I, if I ever everything. do, I feel horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Horrific. It's, it's hard for me to be insincere. It's, it, but, and then when I am, it's, it's, it's a strain. Oh, it's, it's, for some people, it's easy. It's like a pit in my stomach. Yeah. It's easy for me to be insincere, but I think it's because I've had to spend a lot of my life, like I've trained myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's very, because I don't care. Person and experience specific. (laughs) Yeah. Things don't, sometimes things don't bother you. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Like they bother, but that could also be just you're symptomatic in a different way or expressing in a different way. It's my sociopathic tendency. (laughs) 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 Don't give Allie knives. (laughs) Because <laughs> I won't feel bad for him. Oh, bad. <laughs> JK, JK. So neurodivergent people have sometimes have a difficult timing and sincere. It's hard for us to lie to ourselves, to not carry things out to their last possible conclusion. People with autism and are, this is just a suspicion I have when I was doing some of my layman's research, but I learned that people with autism are more likely to identify as non-heterosexual and they're more likely to identify as transsexual. Why? I would suspect it's due to our difficulty to lie to ourselves. We tend to be more honest, just be who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's not a professional opinion. That's just my thoughts. But I would like to say in light of everything that's been going on recently, if you are discriminating against one thing, you might be discriminating against another. another. You never know. And you need to think that through. I don't think anyone listening to our podcast is. I don't think they're going to be the people that are discriminating against certain things. Before we end this exploration, I want to point out that much of what we talked about applies to everyone. Communication and understanding are important for any relationship, whether it includes a neurodivergent person or not. But it looks like we can all learn how to have better relationships from the experiences of neurodivergent people. I know that being neurodivergent and loving others who are has made me a much more understanding person. And like Eve, I want to take care of people and be accepted. And in the end, isn't that kind of what we all want? You're amazing. This has been Sexploration with Ashley. Next time, we'll explore sex with ghosts. Don't let me forget to get in touch with Demi Moore, you guys. Can I have her on? (laughs) I said her name right, too.
I think it makes sense to put it in like the people who are genuinely more comfortable listening to themselves and knowing and being able to express what they want and not feeling the pressure to just go along with what's around them. It makes sense that they would be be, more open. Yeah, be more open to different experiences. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about it till I read this that you sent to us and I was reading through it and I didn't think about like the connection between neurodivergency and then maybe being a member of the LGBTQ. And I don't think that it's not, there's a correlation doesn't equal causality. No, yeah, that's right. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, you know, black and white, but I was thinking about it and I was like, a lot of the people that I do know that are neurodivergent do in some way, shape or form identify on a spectrum of the LGBTQ and same, a lot of the LGBTQ people that I do know do identify in some ways as autistic or have ADHD or something. Not all of them, of course, but when I think back and I do have a good many friends who are LGBTQ IA and I have a good many friends that are neurodivergent and I was just thinking of the crossover between those two worlds and it's more than I would have thought for anyone else. Yeah. When I think back to my friends who are not neurodivergent, it's not as big of a percentage. Yeah. Just for my little bit of, like I said, layman's research, the neurodivergent people are more likely to identify. But I, I do th- I do like the idea that it's because you're just more open. You've experienced, so for me, neurodivergency is I feel like I've experienced a lot of different emotions and feelings and I, I feel like I can connect to people a lot easier than maybe some other people. Like neurodivergent people tend to not have a lot of sympathy, but we have a lot of empathy and mm-hmm. people don't really understand the difference in those two. It's hard for us to sympathize. Like it's hard to, you know, what you were saying with your insincerity, but you can be extremely empathetic to people and understand what they're going through. And I think that's what makes us a little bit more open to other people's situations. Yeah. And to experience them ourselves. I think. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll discuss Act Your Age, Eve Brown by the amazing Talia Hibbert. Yay. This week, we are taking a look at Act Your Age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert, the last book in the Brown Sisters series. This book focuses on Eve Brown, the youngest of the Brown sisters, the daughters of a wealthy British family. We have looked into the life of Chloe Brown. We did skip Danny, but we're looking at little Evie. I can't uh, wait to read about Danny, though. I know. We're, we're looking at little Evie because it is April and it is Autism Month, Autism Celebration Month, whatever you want to call it. I wanted to do a book about people who had autism. She's done a lot of things, Evie, in her life. She's had lots of interests, but her most recent one was a wedding planning business. But after her first wedding, Eve shuts down the business because of a couple negative happenings at an otherwise glorious and wonderful event that she planned. When her parents realize she has quit yet another venture, they speak harshly to her and tell her she has to prove she isn't a quitter or there will be extreme consequences like getting kicked out of their massive house. That trust fund cut off. I don't like her parents. Oh, no. That made me mad. I did not like her parents. Yeah, her mom, and when she said, you're an embarrassment, I was like, you're done. Yeah. That was, yeah. Even though her mom apologized and said she was too harsh, I was like, what? Yeah. I was, Do you think that I was like, is them, don't let them more British culture, though? Because I know a lot of British people who are, like, very, no, I think what it I would think would be rude being like oh my daughter's a failure and it embarrasses me and I uh-huh. think she let it come through in her parenting and I think it was mm-hmm. wrong yeah I agree I was like oh my god like I wanted to cry 
Upset, of course she is, because who wouldn't be after your mother says that to you? Eve gets in her car and takes a drive down the English countryside. But she gets hungry, and she sees Castell Cottage bed and breakfast. She stops and notices that the B&B is looking for a chef. She sees this as a perfect opportunity and impulsively goes in and interviews for the job. Jacob Wayne, the owner of Castell Cottage, is not having an easy time finding the perfect chef, despite his friend Montrose trying to get him to look past the problems or irritants Jacob notices and each applicant but at the right time and to Mont's enthusiasm in walks Eve Brown. Jacob is thrown off by the colorful style and bluntness of Eve and then he stares at her chest because her shirt says sorry bored now. When he is caught staring at her tit area he apologizes and lets her know that he has autism and he was hyper focused. He wasn't just oddly staring at her tits. Eve doesn't he just was hyper focused. He was hyper focused. <laughs> Eve doesn't bat an eye at that, but the two still don't get along. At first, Jacob denies Eve the job, even though she is qualified because of previous ventures <laughs> and hobbies that she's had. But Mont convinces him to give Eve a chance. Jacob goes outside to find Eve before she leaves, but then she accidentally hits him with her car breaking his arm. Now Eve has to help Jacob. She owes him at least for a month. So I'm going to cut in here because I'm going to do an ADH thing, which is where you always have to relate to things. Yeah, go ahead. Right. So the whole hyper-focusing, have y'all read the, the Secret Life of Addie LaRue? I have not, but you told okay. me about it. So the cover of it, there's stars and yeah. it's the map and it's actually freckles on her face. So a friend of mine has freckles and one day we we're at the beach and I had just read Addie LaRue for the first time. And her chest, I was, I, I never looked at her boobs before, but her chest had like the her freckles that looked like the outline of the Addie LaRue stars. Oh my God. And I was like looking at her and I was just like staring like, yeah, I think it is. And then, and, then, and all of a sudden she just like leans her heads down. She's like, you want to stop staring at my boobs? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't staring at your boobs. I'm sorry. I wasn't even like thinking. And she's like, yeah, I know they're great. I was like, definitely wasn't, but they are great. Creeper. I have Creeper. gotten caught looking at men's crotches. I've, I've, because, I've done that too. Because, not because I, not in a sexual way, but I was like, what is that? This was when I was younger, like a, a teenager. I was like, why is it so big? What is that? And I just remember that happening because I was like, what is going And I got like caught. I've just my looked just to look. An almost straight line at my Are arm. they really? Let me see. I purposely put my tattoo in the middle of one of them so that it doesn't. It, it breaks it up. I have a little constellation. Huh. The only one that I have, I have a triangle. We just got distracted. Mm. We just got distracted. Mm. My little triangle. I tried to think of what kind of triangle that was, but. It's a triangle. No, okay? but like, is it an equilateral triangle? Oh, or equilateral right. all all three. Yeah. Oh, I knew it wasn't that one, but this, that was the it's only not, word I could think of. Obtuse. No. An no, obtuse was, angle. Is, yeah, it's like one. It's, yeah. it's bigger than ninety degrees. Anyway, Eve proves herself. <laughs> there we go. We did it. <laughs> Eve proves herself great at managing her new position, and she and Jacob grow closer the longer she works there. Jacob even gets to save her from an algae filled pond. The attraction between these two grows and eventually they are no longer able to keep their hands to themselves. 
things get sexy and sparkly. Eve does some research and discovers that she also has autism. Jacob boosts her confidence, letting her know she isn't a failure, despite what her parents say and despite what she feels. Even though the two of them aren't like other people, they are still great. Eve is still great. It's other people's expectations that are the problem. Jacob and Eve both realize that they are in love with the other person. But before Eve can admit this to Jacob, her family finds her at the B&B and disrupts everything. Jacob has a meltdown and there is a miscommunication trope. <laughs> but eventually, I did. I normally hate the miscommunication trope, but I didn't mind it here. It makes sense. It makes complete yeah. sense. Or maybe it's just because I connect to it more here. I yeah. don't know. It, it makes sense. He had a meltdown. He had a, he, he definitely had like a rejection mm-hmm. sensitivity meltdown for sure. But eventually through the power of communication, Eve and Jacob work things out and live a neurodiverse happily ever after, which it turns out is magical. Oh. So what did you guys think of Jacob as a person? I just want to hug him. Yeah. I just love him. I like him. him. I like him. He was. I loved him. Yeah. How does he rate among some of our other male main characters? I feel like I there's just not one rating scale because he's he just rates differently from like the guys who are like, I burned the world down for you because Jacob just doesn't have that energy. But he's just much more likable. He's just like, likable. As a person, he's a character who you're rooting for. Yes. And mm-hmm. you're not annoyed by him. And mm-hmm. you're just like, he's a genuinely good person. Yeah. He 100%. really thinks about her. Yeah. Like really thinks about her. Even the point of getting his friends to become her mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Because he wants her to have yeah. friends. And I think it really showed, I think there's a misconception that like all autistic people are really bad in social things. And right. so they can't be friends with people and you can't be in a relationship because they just can't do it. Oh. Which is wrong. But I think it sh- he it showed like... He was aware of how much he liked her and he wanted to fulfill her needs. Yeah. That was one of the ways that he like fixated on things was he's like, what does she need? I'll help her. I'll get it. I'll fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was something that is a positive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That difference is something that was a positive in the relationship. Yeah. And I really, I I appreciated him a whole bunch Mm -hmm. that he had that kind of brain. Yeah. It made it, made it like, I don't know. It was just really cool. What was your reaction to the discovery of the dildo? (laughs) Busted out Just giggling. Purple, (laughs) giant purple dildo. How did you, he just held on to it. And I'm thinking. Like he was so confused. He's holding it. (laughs) And it's like 12 inches. Yeah, it's a big one. Sparkly large. I'm also like, how did you miss that, Eve? (laughs) Yeah, how did you not see that in the nest you built? Which was so sweet that she built him a nest. Yeah. God, they're just so, they're just, oh, I love them. Anyway, he finds her 12 inch dildo. He's like, does it vibrate? (laughs) He's so intrigued. He's just like, yeah, he's hyper fixated. He's like, she uses this on herself. He's like, what? What does she like when she uses it? Yes. (laughs) What sounds does she make? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It was, I busted out laughing and immediately Marco Polo. It was cute. It was Mm -hmm. really cute. It almost reminded me of Crescent City when he finds her little. Mm. Oh, the little little unicorn thing. Unicorns. Yes. Oh my 
He's like, what is this? Listen, girls are weird. Girls are weird. What do you admire about Eve? Since a lot of this book she spends thinking down on herself, what are some things that we admire about Eve? I related a lot to the fact that she saw her flaws and she knew what they were, but it did take her a while to understand that her flaws could be positive things in the end. Yes. Like it, like even through high school and college, you see some of your flaws and you just think of them as complete negatives. Mm -hmm. But I think that she saw how positive they could be in the end. I like the way she talked. Yeah, Mm -hmm. me too. The way Mm -hmm. she spoke to people and how she could make anything into a joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, she's funny. She's like engaging. Mm -hmm. Which is shocking to me that her friends would put her on the outer. I did feel like in some instances, Talia Hibbert was going for Eve to be like this way and then she would say something and I'd be like I don't know if that fits in with what I'm thinking like the personality Eve is yeah yeah like she'd describe her as like all of these great things and then she'd be like and I've never had any friends and I'm like I just I I don't think that's I think Eve I don't know. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, does Eve keep herself at arm's length from other people and she thinks it's the other people doing it? I bet there is like some truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. That's a good point. Because she does quit. She says she quits things. But, and I also, I guess in me saying that, I'm also forgetting that Eve is a black woman. Yeah. Who's, so that is an ostracizing factor probably in some of her experiences already, especially in probably the environments that she was in as a wealthy black woman. Yeah. So that probably, I'm sure there were instances where she did feel on the outs. Yeah. Just for those things alone. They do talk about her friends are wealthy Mm -hmm. and they weren't genuine because of the wealth. So maybe that's also part Mm -hmm. of it. And Jacob is not like that at all. I saw, and I don't know if this is, if y'all got this, idea but do you know like with with adhd sometimes when things aren't like literally in front of you like you don't even think about them like that that idea of object permanence like Mm -hmm. if i don't talk to you it's not that i don't if i haven't talked to you in a week it's not that i am not your friend or i'm mad at you i just literally that part of my brain has just shut off and i've just forgotten that you've existed and not in a bad way but i wonder if she was maybe the catalyst for some of that in that sense Mm -hmm. and she didn't realize she was doing it because I didn't realize I did that until I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, crap, I haven't even reached out to this person in four months. And she used to be my best friend. Yeah, you do that. You yeah. do do that. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll be like, hey, Hannah. <laughs> yeah, I shut down. But you really, d- it's funny because you actually do it when you are actually physically removed. When you're physically removed from when, something you when, do. When, like, you traveled. When you travel. Mm-hmm. And I know part of it is because you're with your family. But you, act, you, do, you do that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, I, I 100% know I do that. And that it's something, it's probably one of my biggest things that I fight with myself over with ADD. Like, I I realize there are so many things in my ADD that I consider a positive now that I, I don't think of as a negative. But that's one thing that I'm still, still working towards. I will say one of, in the beginning when Jacob and Eve first met and she's, like, admiring that, like, oh, he's good looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it's page 104 for me, but she says, thankfully, as soon as he spoke, every ounce of Eve's, Eve's physical appreciation drained away like hot water down a plug hole. How convenient. <laughs> I relate to that. I mean, like, oh, they're attractive. And then they do something. And Who like, was it? Gone. It's talking about Jacob. Oh, oh, really? Eve talking, mm-hmm. thinking about Jacob. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, because they're they're they were enemies, Fr- not real enemies, but I guess in the beginning frenemies, frenemies. Yeah, that is funny. I think it happened right after she cooked him breakfast, and it was really good. It was good for him, so he says something like snippy of like, "Oh, it's just decent." Oh, that's right, because like his that. mouth yeah. touched her fingers. Yeah. Oh, okay. and she had been like she said I was scolding my vagina because she, her vagina was like all into it. And then, as soon and then as she said, thankfully, as soon as he spoke, every ounce of Eve's physical appreciation drained away like hot water down a plus alley for sure. Yeah. She got the ick. I got the ick and it was gone. You're like, <laughs> done. Done. Move their mouth a certain way. I've seen a lot of the talk about the ick lately. It's true. It's real. It's true. It's real. Thankfully, like in a marriage, you can be like, I hate that. Stop. Yeah. Hundred. Yes. <laughs> Stop it. He's like, don't do that. I can see your face. (laughs) Yeah. What are your thoughts about the autism representation in this book? Do you think Talia handled it well? Yes, I did like it. And I I can't say from an autistic perspective because I don't have autism. So from an outsider looking in, I felt like it was well handled. I really liked it. There, I wish it would have gone a little bit farther in. Mm-hmm. I It's hard because it's, I like that was just a part of who they were and you mm-hmm. didn't focus on just that about them. But I also think that there is more that could have been explored. I agree. And I think you got a lot of the like really good parts of it and maybe not some of the like more difficult. Yes parts and I didn't appreciate the fact that Eve just googled some autism symptoms and then read like an article and then was like okay Okay, I got got it and I'm not gonna get diagnosed yeah I didn't like that I just was like I I wanted more I think yeah a lot of people do that though there is a value in self-diagnosis for people can't afford yeah like I'm not saying that was wrong but especially like for her like she has resources available and I think there's more that can be explored even if you don't go to a doctor but like a way of researching more so that you understand yourself better yeah I guess what were your thoughts she wasn't my thought you said that you agreed with me but did you have anything else especially as a mom of yeah someone with an autistic child so first off I just want to say that autism can a lot of times when people have autism they don't just have autism Mm -hmm. sometimes they have autism and ADHD it can be a comorbidity Mm -hmm. yeah a a comorbidity or a dual diagnosis or sometimes a triple diagnosis whatever you want to say a lot of times in media like you were saying Allie we see a lot of the romanticizing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of autism Mm -hmm. and autistic people we see the oh they struggle socially Mm -hmm. but they're brilliant they're geniuses yeah like look at this other really good part yeah like to make up seemingly right, like to, yeah in yeah. quotes to make up mm-hmm. for the for the, de- the deficiency the deficiency yeah. also in quotes people like to use the terms and I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not bashing anyone for using these terms i understand that they are commonly used and they're easy to understand because they're commonly used but a lot of times people use the terms high functioning mm-hmm. low functioning uh what i like to use is high support low support so does this person need high support extra support to be able to function mm-hmm. because if you change the supports around a low functioning in quotes autistic person they could function mm-hmm. normally yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes just like with anybody else it's just a little bit harder so yeah. i like to say low support 
high support. So my son has high support autism, which means he needs a lot of support Mm -hmm. to be able to function. He needs a lot of accommodations. And he also has multiple diagnoses. So I feel like there was... I I would like to see more, a book with more high support autism, where the functionality, because we just don't see that a lot. Yeah. Like, the functionality comes so easily Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for some of these characters, and I would like to see where it doesn't come as easily, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they need more support, just because that's not out there. Yeah. And I think that people who need more support can be in romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. And need representation too in television, in books, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's just my personal opinion, but I know that that's harder to do yeah. because it's not an easy, easy yeah. a topic. It's not a light thing. Yeah, it's not light, which is like Talia Hipper. This is a very light. Yes. So yeah. it's like I can't necessarily be like, oh, you should have gone more because it's yeah. overall the whole book is very like, yes, very easy. And mm-hmm. that's the point of her books is that they are like little rom commies and. Yeah, they are. And and I, I get that. And I, I still was very excited yeah. about the book. Even her yeah. mention of stimming was a huge deal because people mm-hmm. look at stimming and they think, oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize that you stim. Mm-hmm. Like everyone does everyone it. Stems. Look at the people in the prices when they get called. What are they doing? Jumping up and down and flapping their hands. Mm-hmm. Just like a person with, who's autistic does maybe on a daily basis. That. Like, they're excited. <laughs> they're stimming. So, Allie's laughing. I just hadn't thought about the prices in a while. <laughs> But like, so we all do it, but Mm -hmm. we look at other people who do it more frequently and we're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's weird. But it's not. You do it too. We just Mm -hmm. like, so it's, that's, I appreciated her talking about that and it being completely acceptable Mm -hmm. for them to stem because a lot of people want to stop stemming. Yeah. And uh, some stemming can be harmful, like headbanging. Like you don't want someone to hurt themselves. Yeah. That, but say if, you know, it's. If it's safe, then if it's safe, it. if it's not, yeah, if you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, yeah, like, do it. Who cares? Yeah, who? Why is it a big cares? deal if somebody's like tapping their yeah hand or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what the fuck? Stop teaching people to quit that. It helps them function. I did like uh, Jacob and Eve's conversation about stimming when he first was trying to bring it up to her and mm-hmm. maybe show her that her humming might be a stimming a stem that she does and she she missed it she's like oh I don't care if you like if you do yeah that. she was like <laughs> she's you like, can stim if you want to <laughs> and he's like okay thanks like a second <laughs> but I think it made him feel good too yeah. that she, he was very like oh she accepts it she doesn't care yeah yeah but I did think it was funny because he's like okay I won't say anything else <laughs> how do y'all feel about the sex I liked it you liked it yeah I thought it was cute I thought it was cutesy good it wasn't nothing it's not a BDSM book so we're not gonna get anything anything crazy yeah but yeah I thought it was cute I really like the idea that he as I would say a part of who he is as an autistic person has made sure that he knows what he's doing and he has these things that he knows he needs to do mm-hmm. and he's very dedicated to making sure that Eve feels good mm-hmm. that like that like dedication in that I need to do this I need to make sure yeah that you feel good 
Mm-hmm. He's learned how to how he needs to have mm-hmm. sex. Yeah, and how th- to make it pleasurable for someone else. Yeah. Like that's good for anyone to do. Mm-hmm. But because of other difficulties, he had to put in that effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of times other people would just ignore that. Right, mm-hmm. and he didn't. I I really like the dildo. <laughs> I really like that Eve could take it, that 12 inches. She, I, she did. I I was like, damn, Eve, she took it. All, I didn't know. All 12 sparkling inches of that thing. I also liked it when she just came in there and, like, got, like, put her feet on his desk and just started spreading her legs. Oh, she was so in control in that She moment. was, like, I con- a confident it. woman. She is a very confident woman. I'd be, like, all worried about, oh, my God, do, do I smell? Like, yeah. <laughs> Do my Same. feet stink? Yeah. Like all these things. Because she'd just been out and about partying. And she's like, no, I'm going to get some dick. And she goes in there and just spreads her legs. And then she's like, I'm going to sit on you. And she does. She sits in his lap and gets some. And he liked it. He liked it. Apparently, he's got an extra large. I was going to say. Doesn't sound like packing. there was much of a difference between him and well, the. He even says he had to do research. He looked into yeah. how to make people comfortable because that's right. Yes, it he was, did it was that because he was bigger. Yeah. Yes. Because he was mm-hmm. bigger, he had to do that. So that's <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. What a bad problem to have. What a problem. <laughs> I feel so bad. I know. Oh, poor Eve. Oh, that was good. And I just I like the the way he spoke. Mm-hmm. It was very direct. Yeah. And I liked that we had a book where they were just really pretty kind to each other. Yes. And there wasn't, like, there was a miscommunication, but it wasn't even, like, them being mean to the, each other. I really, and I, I think I needed that. I just, because we read a lot of dark things or mm-hmm. where the people are very, like, big personalities or, like, very male. Yeah. And, yeah. And he was, he's just a kind person. Yeah. Both of them Both were just of them, kind. Yeah people and i appreciated that but that's why they have that's why he owns a bed and breakfast Mm -hmm. he wants people to feel at home yeah he's very hospitable i actually related to this book personally a lot as someone in the hospitality industry but the only thing the only difference i felt like between me and eve is that i i cannot i don't want you're not cooking for him i'm not no (laughs) i'm not gonna do that I, because of my different things, my different diagnoses, I, at this moment, I'm not going to say never, but I can't hold down a job. I couldn't if I needed to, and I'd probably be on disability. But, so I kind of related to her about quitting everything. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. You're like, I'm done. Yeah. Like quitting before, I really relate to the quitting before you fail. Yeah. Like just being mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I don't want to do it now. Like, yeah. I don't want to feel like a failure. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. That's true too. I want to be the, I, I, I'm not going to even start something if I don't think I'm going to be good mm-hmm. at it. Me too. Yeah. I will say that I, I know I've already talked about how I didn't like her parents, but I do feel like they failed Eve, not just in that conversation that they had, but in the, because she's been displaying a lot of these things for her whole life. She was struggling at school. Yeah. She was struggling in school. She was struggling in different ways and friendships and different things. And either she's just was very overlooked as a child. Like, I just feel like they really failed her, especially when they had lots of resources available. Yeah, I can see that. One comment Eve made was that she thinks maybe it, her a lot of people in her family mm-hmm. also have it. Yeah, I would say. And it does. Chloe, Chloe also has the fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? But she did display. When I was, she I almost thought Chloe displayed more than yeah, yeah. at times, yeah. <laughs> more, more symptomatic. She appeared, she came across more symptomatic than Eve did. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I haven't read Danny, so I can't say. Yeah, I don't know anything about Danny. But she does say it then, like, oh my God. And de- Garnet, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Garnet is definitely an Aretta oh, Virgin. Okay, I love her. And we love her to pieces. She's such a sweet grandma, even though they come up in there and ruin everything. They ruin everything in a comedic way, but then it's like... Yeah, I was very mad at them. I was just, like, very disappointed in, like, Chloe and Mm -hmm. her parents. Like, I just don't think any of them were actually looking out for Danny, for Eve, in a way that was helpful at all. And I think that they were just more doing it their way instead of what is most beneficial for Eve. Maybe, yeah. Like, I just felt like the decisions that they were making were very much about what I think and this thing, and I'm not even going to ask Eve and they're probably used spe- to like, asking her especially they- after her parents said something that was so hurtful mm-hmm. and then when she is like acting hurt and she leaves they never actually really apologize right mm-hmm. away they don't and then they're like oh had to come and it's like you're the ones who made her leave yeah like why not just be like hey eve how's it going yeah or treat they've always treated her as like a child to me yeah. like her whole family yeah all right Favorite comedic moment? The dildo. The dildo, yeah. The I dildo. Mean, or I'm, it was funny when she hit him with her car. Oh, I oh yeah, that was good. That I was good. really liked it. And I didn't really even, obviously when I saw him looking for her in the rain and she was backing up, like, but before then, like, I didn't see it coming that mm-hmm. she was about to hit him. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> that was funny to me. Yeah. I thought it was funny when Garnet just busted out a cigarette and didn't give a fuck what Jacob thought. It was yeah, rude. That was funny. It was extremely rude, but she was like, I'm Garnet is just always she's just funny to me yeah she's I thought it was lady. funny one of the the sex scenes they're doing something and then they he's like oh wait I can't take my shirt off right now we'll just have to unbutton it because it takes a lot of effort yeah. and I was like I totally forgot this man was in a cast yeah, yeah I know <laughs> I did it I had a I moment like, like I that. forgot that he had a broken a whole I broken forgot arm his arm was broken yeah I had a moment like that like wait did so, Talia forget too so then I kept thinking about having sex if you're in this like big old arm cast I mean he, he did have to she sat on him yeah her, but they did have sex in the bed yeah I but like, I was just like picturing it in my mind like trying to have sex with your arm like bent at an angle and can't move it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it would be hard <laughs> all right guys what would you say what on our vibration scale what would you rate this a two mm, a two that's okay. interesting I was going for a one yeah I was gonna I'm say usually one, two. rating things higher mm-hmm I don't know. I liked it. You liked it. You liked uh, maybe, that dildo really And maybe it was a dildo you. for me. Maybe that was it. Mm, I did. Dildo. I liked it. I will say I did like that Eve was very just like sex positive. You mm-hmm. know, she was very confident and just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is what it is. And mm-hmm. I like my dildo and I like that. Yeah. She didn't have the shame. They did talk about sex a lot. And I think about it. Yeah. They, she, yeah. Was, she thinks about they it They did a lot. talk about it a lot. Yeah. She was masturbating and he's like talking about how he wants to masturbate, but he can't because she's there. In the shower. Yeah. Where she, he goes in the shower and she's like, I know what he's doing. Yeah. Eve said... Eve Brown was a generally horny woman. She knew this about herself. She appreciated all kinds of maleness, such as overlong eyelashes or fingers peeling off a beer label or legs stretched out and crossed at the ankle. If she tried, she could get going over just about anything. Damn. I feel her. Hypersexual. Um, I feel that. Yeah. So what do we give it a two? I mean, I give it a two. You can go for two. And also, I know what it was. She talks about how she used to just lay in bed till noon watching porn. (laughs) 
<laughs> she did say that. She's like, pop out the popcorn. Here we go. I was, I was like, like, that's a lot of porn. That's a lot of porn. <laughs> so, I get, yeah, go for it too. Go it's for it too. Yeah. Okay. We can round up. I'm surprised at you, Allie. Look at us. A two, finally. <sighs> Which doesn't sound that much different than... Mm. <laughs> Just higher pitched. <laughs> Just a little more. We'll add one. <sighs> another one. <laughs> for that 12 inches. Mm. Yeah, they got to accommodate for that. Yeah. All right. Next week, we're going to discuss Beautiful Things by Emily Rath. A Regency era, why choose? And Allie will be hosting that episode. I'm excited about this. Well, I've already started it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like Emily Rath a lot. I follow her on TikTok. She's fun <laughs> to follow. Yeah, I, I've already listened to some of it. I'm about halfway through. I really do like it. It's bad timing on my part because I put this on the schedule, like when we first came up with our schedule. And... Emily Rath literally just released like a new book like a week ago. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, oh, we could have done that one. But yeah, uh, well, we've already I'm done really a hockey like, one. I guess we've already done a Regency, but yeah, but we can do another one too. Yeah. If it's a good one, we'll do That's another one. I think yeah. we'll like it. So I think it'll be a good discussion. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. This show was produced by Ashley, Allie, and Hannah. You can follow us on Instagram or support us by becoming a member of our Patreon. This will provide you with access to exclusive content content you can email us with any questions or book recommendations at the rainy day smut brigade at gmail.com don't forget to give us a high rating on your podcast platform and share with your friends and no matter what dildo you find in a nest good sex to you good sex to you good sex to all of us whether you're neuro spicy or neuro mayonnaise <laughs> <laughs> Good sex to us all. Allie hates mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, mayonnaise and pickles. Mayonnaise and pickles. Oh, she's gonna. I really. She's gonna vomit. Thinking about she's it. She's about to I lose really it. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Down tonight.